0: The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective.
1: welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. This week is going to be another edition of the The Monthly Monthly Comics Cast cast for April. And uh, that means, of course, that I have with me two of the greatest minds in comic fandom, I guess, Uh, the Mm -hmm. Cosmic Comic Guru Dario, what's up, Dario? Hello. And not too bad. What's going on? Not much, not much. And of course, I also have the world's greatest sidekick, Paul.
2: What's up, Paul? Not so much, guys. How you doing? Oh,
1: you know, surviving, living the dream, all that jazz.
2: I did. I did get my first COVID shot. Thursday. Oh. Good. Hey, good. All good right. You. Nice. I'm halfway to Mordor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you right now. Don't expect any superpowers because they ain't coming.
0: Living we'll up to you, <laughs> Derek. Did you get sick after your second
1: one? Um, I didn't get sick per se. I just I had um, I got like really, really, really tired, like abnormally tired. Mm-hmm. So how
3: can
0: I was sick you tell? Your oh, whole day.
1: At first, I thought it was just my normal tired, but I, after a while, I was like, this is not normal. I'm exhausted.
2: You're always like that. You're like a possum. You'll sleep like 22 <laughs> hours a day.
1: <laughs> I wish. Could a possum sleep that much? I don't know. <laughs>
2: That's Derek. Next on, I on the Possum
1: Podcast. <laughs> I wish I had time to sleep that much. Anyway.
2: Be careful what be careful what you wish for, because you sleep that long. That gives Davio enough time to put sixty feet of LED lights around you. <laughs> so when you wake up, you're blinded.
0: When one yeah, of my man. friends fell asleep, I I took um, saran wrap and I saran wrapped his entire entranceway to his bedroom door, and, <laughs> and, I, and I taped it with uh, duct tape, and it was as tight as tight could be. And you know, it was very hard, to, very hard to notice when in his in his dim. My house when he just woke up. He, walked it. he was a
1: little upset with me. That sounds pretty good. I would like to have oh. seen the reaction to that.
2: It wasn't good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not after after we get out. Yeah. 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 I hope I hope the poor bastard didn't have to go in the bathroom. That's why he got up. No, well, <laughs> that was I the mean. whole point. <laughs> Uh, today on Dario's Hijinx. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a whole podcast.
1: <laughs> well, let's get into it, shall we? And uh, start off with our reviews. And of course, that means I'm going to give you a little spoiler warning here. Warning, warning, warning. We here at the Monthly Comics Cast have our own special rating system, based on the greatest weapon in all of comicdom, the, the Infinity gauntlet. gauntlet. Starting with zero, which be would be a completely empty and useless gauntlet, going through the various stones, one through six, finished off by the greatest rating you could possibly get, a full Infinity Gauntlet. And of course, that would make four stones, about average so there you have it oh and one more thing we're probably going to spoil some things during our reviews so uh just make sure you keep that in mind and if you don't want anything spoiled before you read the comic then uh
3: oh spoiler alert
1: there you go you have been warned so uh who would like to begin do you have anything to review this week i do as a matter of fact (laughs) Yes. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So why don't I go first then, since I haven't actually viewed anything in quite a while? And, uh, the first book I am going to review is Aliens Number One. Published Alien.
3: Or Alien. Alien.
1: Yes, excuse me. Alien Number One published by Marvel Comics who now has the license to publish alien books and this book was written by Philip Kennedy Johnson Uh, the artist is Salvador La Roca the color art is by Guru EFX and the letterer is VCs Clayton Cowles
0: Good old BC Clayton's
1: cows. Yes, in so <laughs> being of course that this was a first issue, it was a lot of setup, and basically the book is focuses on one gentleman. Um, I'm trying to find his name here. Where's your name?
2: The space marine with no name.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, actually he wasn't really a space marine. He actually worked for Wayland Utani. Um but he was
0: Wild
1: yes. Uh but he was on the planet in that was in Aliens, the sequel to Alien. Uh, so he was one of the people who witnessed the attack from the aliens. And basically, this first issue sets up, he's retiring from the company, finally, after many years. And he's actually doing, he's ha- in therapy with one of the Bishop units, which is pretty funny. But he's actually come to... uh really rely on the bishop unit and kind of almost consider him a friend in a way
0: Mm -hmm. as
1: a therapist so then it's it's about him retiring and returning to earth and trying to meet back up with his estranged son who we find out is a member of an anti corporation group that's against Wayland and so, of course, they have a big argument about it. And this whole time, um, he's having dreams that are kind of recollections about, I think his name is Gabe. Gabe's having dreams that are, you know, he keeps going back to when he was captured by the aliens and um, waiting to be impregnated, I guess you could say, <laughs> before he was rescued. Seated. <clears throat> seated, yes. And uh so between the nightmares and trying to get back with his son and everything, he's 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 pretty stressed out, so he's not really having a great retirement. And the book ends with this space station getting attacked by the group that Gabe's son is a member of. They attacked the station. Oh, okay and their plan is to destroy the station because it's owned by by Wayland Wayland Utani it's in this in this book it's called Wayland Wayland Utani so they must have merged with somebody but anyway so they attack the station they get ready to blow it up when they discover a secret room that has a bunch of different experiments in it uh, let's see, let's see if you can see, see if I can show you guys this real quick. Well, okay. So it looks like they are experimenting using the xenomorphs, which of course is typical. It never ends up well. <laughs> yes. And then they find there are two scientists that are in the room and, uh, one of the scientists they threaten the scientists. And so the scientists release all of the creatures and you see a bunch of face huggers come out and start attacking everybody. Wow. And that's the end of the issue. So, I mean, all in all, not bad. It was, you know, a first issue. So it was a setup. You had to set up everything. Um, it looks like it could be pretty good. I think, I think the problem. I think the problem with the alien franchise is there's been, you know, so much of it now that it's kind of the same thing over and over again. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know
2: pro- You're beating a dead
1: horse. Right. Kind of the in problem, a way.
0: Yeah. The problem with the alien franchise is once they attempt to do something original outside of what we're used to, AKA Prometheus and <laughs> and whatever the other one was, everybody automatically hates it.
1: Covenant. Well, yeah, but to be fair, I mean I have mixed feelings about Prometheus, but Covenant was not good.
0: <laughs> I, they Both both those movies ended up growing on me because I had to do a bunch of research for the uh, alien role-playing game that I was running. Uh, it, yes. leaned heavily, leaned, he- it leaned heavily into the stuff from those movies, so I had to learn about it. And the more I read about it, I watched movies, and I know what was wrong with the movies. But then I read more about the stuff, and I went to Wikipedias and stuff, and I kind of actually liked the expanded universe. Mm. But... Yeah, I get what you're talking about. How it's it's hard to make it fresh, especially in a comic when you're focusing on the xenomorph. Yeah, but you know, eventually there's going to be an egg. Oh my god, there's going to be a facehugger. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, there's going to be an alien. But I mean, in the right in the right hands, it can be done well. I mean, years sure. Ago, there was a There was a Friar Thirteenth comic that DC put out that was pretty darn good, and that's just a guy killing a guy, <laughs> killing people. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: exactly. So,
1: um. All in all, you know, given that it's the first issue, um, I give it a four. Okay. Not bad. It That's has some good. potential, um, depending on where they go with the story. So not too bad, mm-hmm. but not amazing. I don't know. I don't know how I really don't know how they could do right off the bat an amazing alien book like the first issue. So.
0: I'd say four is a pretty good. Now, when Dark Horse took over the license back in the nineties, maybe the eighties—I can't remember exactly when—and um, I mean, everybody was super excited about that book, and the art was great. I felt like the story was pretty, pretty good. Um, but that was again—that was after years, a couple years of there not, not being an you alien know, thing, and they got right to it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And
1: then they did. They Dark Horse was the one who started the first. Um, aliens versus Predator, and they actually did a good job with it. Um, right, I like the way they handled it in the comic, which is why the movie was so disappointing.
3: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, some of the other crossovers, they were, I would say, they would they would be like like an average. Yeah, um, some of them, you know, like Aliens versus Batman. Why?
1: Yeah, uh. well, well, Alien versus is amazing. I can
2: under, I can understand the Superman one and even the Green Lantern. Yeah, they were. I think they just started stretching it with Batman because he was popular. They were trying to push the buck.
0: right? Well, you never know. It could be like the the Batman versus Predator was amazing. I was so excited when that came out. And when they announced the Alien versus Superman, I was excited for that too. But yeah, it's tired. Yeah, well. <laughs>
2: I can, the predator one I can see with Batman because I mean, you got this guy running around in Gotham, and you know you know how Batman is. Get out of my city.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, like you said, I love I love the first two Alien movies, and the third one is okay, um, but it's kind of the same. You know, the first two were different enough that they were that's why they were so good. But after a while, it does kind of get to be, you know. All right, throw these people at them, you know. Oh, the alien face hugger, alien. Here it goes, eh, whatever.
2: Well, it's it, it's all the same. Like you gotta if if they don't have Ripley in it, nobody wants to see it. Same with same with Jamie Lee Curtis with Halloween.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. I've seen every Halloween movie with and without Jamie Lee Curtis, and I don't regret it. No regrets! <laughs> no he regrets! Even, even Season of the Witch? Oh, dude, I rewatch it every Halloween. <laughs> season of the Witch is a highly underrated movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, you're doing yourself a favor, but I still like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a robot in it. It's got a robot in it, and it's got a guy who's not ma- mastered the plan is to uh, chip off little pieces of Stonehenge, really, and plant them in kids' plants. Them in kids' masks so they can turn into bugs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, every, every year, folks. Every year. <laughs> did you ever see? Did you ever see Robocop? Of course. Yeah. Which one? So, if, if you remember the old man that was in charge of OCP. Yep, he plays. He plays the ma- he plays the madman behind the villainy of seasons of the witch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. My next book is Beta Ray Bill number one. Ooh, and I got the fin fang oh, I finally thing to a second print of that first issue. Um, I know that I believe the second issue came out this week, if I remember correctly, but I haven't picked it up yet. So, I shall review the first issue. So, the book was written by Daniel Warren Johnson and also drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson with colors by Mike Spencer and lettering by VC's Joe Sabino with Daniel Warren Johnson. Wow. Dude gets, wow. gets, uh, gets around. A um,
2: He's jack of
0: all trades. <laughs> I think he's very talented. I think like he's worked a lot. Mm. Mm. So, first off,
1: I have to say that this, of course, is takes place during the whole um, um, what's it called there? The uh, the King and Black crossover oh, thing it takes place during that. Yeah. So it it. Briefly touches on it a little bit, and I'll tell you how in a second. But so you know, I haven't been reading the
0: King of Black of either of you. Um I was going to try, like I really put the effort into buying a couple issues, but every time I try to start to read, I just hate symbiotes. I hate them.
2: Yeah, I'm on.
0: Yeah. I'm on. I'm on issue four. And how is it? Especially, especially when. They, when they when they force it in the other books, I hate that too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I mean some of them. I mean some of the the one one
2: shots were all right with like the Spider Man one was all right. The Captain America one was all right. Mm. Um, the Ghost Rider I wasn't that crazy about. Mm. It
0: felt it felt forced when they put it in um, Savage Avengers.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I that's mean, a, that's it. Yeah,
1: this we'll see. This one eh, wasn't too bad. So one thing I like is the book starts out on the first page with an entire like couple of paragraphs that pretty much give you the entire rundown of Beta Ray Bill's history. Um, a little recap for those who aren't familiar or for those of us who are familiar but may have forgotten a few things. Um, it talks about how Beta Ray Bill... Came about um, How he got his own Hammer Stormbreaker from Odin Then it talks about How Bill and Thor had a Disagreement and Thor ended up Shattering Stormbreaker yep. But then they made Amends yeah. and Thor asked Bill to become Asgard's master of war And Invited him to live on Asgard again and it also mentions a little bit of a romance with Bill and Lady Sif. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then it says that Thor is currently Thor is on Earth fighting the King in Black and his symbiote-possessed army. But the King in Black has not forgotten about Asgard. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, we start out with a little, a little look into Bill's past. Before he became Beta Ray Bill full time, and there's little flashbacks throughout the book of of him as like a kid and stuff, which is kind of interesting. And then we come. Well, they, back. Show,
0: uh, they show They show Scuttlebutt men, right? Yes,
1: yes. You don't, they see,
0: do. you don't see that ship hardly anymore.
1: And you find out the origin of Scuttlebutt as well. Oh, really? Yes. So um, I'll get to that in a second because first. We come back to the present, where Asgard is about to be attacked. So Beta Ray Bill gathers up his Asgardian army to defend against Fin Fang Foom. Oh, that's cool. Who is possessed possessed by a symbiote, of course.
0: As as much as I hate that, it's cool.
1: I know. (laughs) It is cool. And, you know, there's a big fight scene. And then, and then we get we get the return of Scuttlebutt there, who helps to fight Fin Fang Foom. And what I love is what I love is um, Fin Fang Foom keeps calling Beta Ray Bill Horseface. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then there is one point where uh, Beta, Real, Beta Ray Bill's you know about to do his, his big fight. With with uh, his you know have a big strike against Fin Fang Foom, and Fin Fang Foom punches him and knocks him back a few feet, and then he says, "I love horse meat." He says, "What?" <laughs> I love horse meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But then, at that moment, we see a big bolt of lightning hit Fin Fang Foom as Thor is returned to Asgard. And he dispatches Fin Fang Foom. And later on, we have a party where Bill is upset because Thor came in and took the glory away from Beta Ray Bill. And we get a little cameo by Pip the Troll, which is cool. I'm hoping maybe we'll see more of him Pip in the this troll? series. Pip the
2: Troll? Oh, that's cool.
1: Yes, indeed. Pip the Troll. And he's wearing a shirt, which is weird. <laughs> Has he smoking a cigar? No, he is not. He Nobody does smokes
0: a cop anymore.
1: Goddamn PC. <laughs> he does not have a cigar. But then we see Lady Sif approach and take Bill into a private chamber where, insert porn music here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, sadly, uh, Lady Sif asked Bill if he's going to change back into his non-horse face. <laughs> but Bill says he can no longer do that because the power to transform was in Stormbreaker, which is now destroyed. Hmm. So, Lady Sif says, "Um, yeah, um, you know, he kind of um ugly."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does she?
1: Not not exactly in those in those words, but she kind of you know she implies it, and Bill Bill basically says, "Yeah, I get it. I'm a horse face, you know, whatever," and he leaves.
2: <laughs> and then we get <laughs> a little and fresh. Thought, hmm? And here I thought that lady Lady Sif was gonna pull poor Catherine the Great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So anyway, moving on, <laughs> we get a little flashback where we get a young Beta Ray Bill introduced to Scuttlebutt, who actually isn't just the ship. He's Scuttlebutt's actually a piece of technology that is implanted. He's an AI program that is planted in every piece of technology that Beta Ray Bill uses from then on. Hmm. Um including the ship. Now what's, I don't know why, but as I was reading this, you know, you guys, do you guys do voices sometimes when you're reading them? Like the voices of the characters and stuff in your mm-hmm. heads. Yeah. For yeah, some yeah. reason, the voice of Scuttlebutt was coming in my head as, as uh, sounding like Hal from 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> I Not didn't do it on purpose. It was just a. But anyway, the book finishes with Beta Ray Bill getting on Scuttlebutt and getting ready to take off. Uh, but Thor tries to stop him and say, "You know, we need you here on Asgard." But Bill basically says, "Look, you keep stealing all my thunder. No pun intended, or maybe pun intended." <laughs> um, and there's there's nothing here for me because you keep taking all the glory. So he says basically he's gonna go out. And try to find Odin and get himself a new hammer, a new
2: Stormbreaker, and that's oh. how it ends. Hmm. Did it show? Did it show a preview of the of the cover for number two? Um, no, because because uh, in the Marvel in the Marvel preview book, it shows it shows number two, and it, what it was was he was sitting oh. at a kicking he was sitting at a t uh, at a table with with a, like a jar of super glue trying to put trying to put <laughs> his hammer back together. No, uh, see, this is
1: what they showed in the in the book for issue two. Uh, just Thor hmm. beating up a bunch of guys. So that might be an alternate cover. So um I'd have to say overall, I mean, I like I think I think the enjoyment of the book might depend, of course, on your feelings towards Beta Ray Bill. I've always kind of liked Beta Ray Bill, so that's why I wanted to read it. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was a little turned off by the fact that it was part of The King in Black. But then again, it was only briefly, it only briefly covered King and Black and it, It involved a fight with Fin Fang Foom. So that was pretty cool. Um, and getting to getting a, instead of just throwing you into the world of Beta Ray Bill, they gave you a lot of his backstory and everything. So that Mm -hmm. was pretty good. Um, so, and I like the artwork was pretty good. I like, I like this guy's artwork. It's, it's, uh, it's very, it's very comic booky. I will say that. Like, it's definitely comic book art, which I love.
0: Did you, did you collect the Wonder Woman book that he did last year or two years ago, Dead Earth? I did not. That's
1: really good, too. I'm going to have to look into that. But this, even for a first issue, I really enjoyed this. So I am going to mm-hmm. give it a five. Yeah, good choice. Five stones. And I'm definitely looking forward to reading more. Now... My final review is going to be a DC book. Oh, my goodness. Not. And actually, it's two books. And it is Crime Syndicate 1 and 2. Oh, good. Well, I didn't
0: read that. So I wonder what you think.
1: So Crime Syndicate is a six-issue miniseries. Um, and it is a part of the, what is it, the Infinite Frontier, whatever,
0: that's exactly what it's called, because I don't know what it is either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it basically, it was written by Andy Schmidt. Um, oh, the lighting in here sucks. Uh Art by Karen McCowan. McCowan. Inks by Dexter Vines. And colors by Steve Oliff. And the letterer is Rob Lee, or Lay. L E I G H. And it basically starts off with talking about the, um, how the death metal thing that I didn't read kind of changed everything in the multiverse. Um, and it basically starts off with, uh, a flashback of the young Ultraman as a little kid. Killing uh General John F. Kennedy with his heat vision. That's right. I said General Ooh. John F. Kennedy, who is apparently a dictator. <laughs> so he kills him. Then we flash to the forward where we go to the Daily Planet. And Cat Grant has written a rather... um Inflammatory piece about Ultraman So Ultraman Tries to come after her But won't do anything To her for some reason Hmm, curious So he just kind of Whines a little about Why'd you write that piece about me? And she says, I'm not afraid of you And he <laughs> says, "He says, fine And he runs off And then we skip to uh DC uh, but instead of Washington D.C., it's Arnold D.C. because Benedict Arnold was one of the founding forefathers. That's cool. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention this book does, of course, take place on Earth Three. Um, and here we meet. Uh, oh, what's her what's her name? Superwoman.
0: Uh, it's, yeah, it's not. It's it's not Superwoman though, is it? It's no, Woman.
1: No, it's Superwoman. Yeah, she's called Superwoman here, woman here, at least in this version. Um, Yeah. And Superwoman is in the Oval Office with the President of the United States, uh, who is um, the former hero known as Green Green Arrow. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the President (laughs) now. And um, Oliver Quinn, Oliver Quinn, Ollie. Yes. (laughs) Um, Oliver queen. Queen. Yes. Queen. Yes. Yeah. It's a different universe. I can get it wrong. And, and she has, she has Oliver all tied up and is getting all of his secrets out of him. But um, it's not what you think because it's not, she's it's, um,
2: Using she's using tooths or, or isn't she? No,
1: she's using her lasso. But yeah, because she, she's Wonder Woman, basically. Yeah, but um, it's a um, uh, let's just say it's a game they play, <laughs> and leave it at that. <laughs> um, and then Ooh, <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos! <laughs> yes, sword. Yes, we'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, um, and then uh they get interrupted by some f b i agents who bust in and they're like, "What is going on here and then it flips to the green lantern John Stewart, who um stops a there's a cop that's that's uh arresting some punk and using excessive force uh so john grabs both of them and says oh you're both you're both in violation one of you for stealing stuff and the other one the cop for using excessive force so he breaks both of them up but then then is before he can do anything to them his ring chimes in and says hey there's something headed this way uh from outer space oh oh So he flies away. And then we go to uh, The Flash, except it's not The Flash. It's Johnny Quick. And he's running with uh, Atomica, who is this world's version
0: of the Atom, of course. She's actually fairly new. They just created her like maybe four or five years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, And they're having a little conversation as she's riding on Johnny Quick's shoulder as he's running along. And then all of a sudden there's like some kind of earthquake or something which trips the tr- which trips Johnny Quick and then we find out that the earthquake is caused by an alien invasion of Starros. Sweet. But this is like a more angry version of Starro. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's supposed to be the reverse of everything, so I figured it was going to be a good Starro.
1: Not exactly, no. It's more like a uh like a nastier version of Starro. So it's Starro like Cthulhu version, right? The what? The Cthulhu version. Kind of, yeah. More like more like that. More like a Cthulhu version. So Starro comes down and starts taking over Ultraman and Superwoman and Johnny Quick and all that. And then we cut to Gotham City where Owl Man is patrolling the city. And there's a funny thing here where he stops a robbery and he snaps the neck of the robber. And the guy, nice. the guy who he saved takes a picture of him with his cell phone and he says, Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And he's about to go kill him. When all of a sudden Alfred appears from behind him and shoots the guy, killing him instantly. The uh the guy they saved. So both robber and victim are now dead in the alley. Does Owl Man take all stuff? Uh not so su- not really, surprisingly. And then we find out that Alfred appeared because uh he wants to tell Owl Man about some crazy stuff going on around the, the rest of the country. Uh, some kind of alien invasion, but oddly enough, they're not attacking Gotham, hmm. and that's how the the first issue There's ends. Nothing
2: in Gotham, but steel.
1: <laughs> the first issue ends with that, and then we get a little mini story about the origins of Ultraman. How they he was found by Mon Pa Kent, and Mon Pa Kent were real. Jerks, and they only used him for like slave labor and stuff. And he finally, you know, oh, really, <laughs> yeah, not really slave labor, but like you know, giving him like every chore on the farm was his basically. Yeah, and then yeah. they find they finally showed him his ship, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I'm an alien. You guys have been lying to me this whole time." So finally, my parents, <laughs> <laughs> he he didn't kill them. Oddly enough, he just kind of flew off. So then we go to issue number two, where the Starro inv- invasion is happening in full. And Ultraman goes to Arnold DC to try to take over Superwoman. Um, but she fights back. And in between that, we see Owlman has captured one of the mini Starros and is doing an autopsy on it. So the fight keeps going back and forth between those two until finally Johnny Quick shows up and he's been already been captured by a Starro so he fights with Ultra he he and Ultraman fight Superwoman for a while until mm-hmm. finally there's a strange um audio signal that kills all of the Starro's on the mini Starro's on them and then we see Jon Stewart, Green Lantern come and start attacking the Staros to fight back. And there's a cool scene here where they show like a bunch of the other heroes or villains. Ooh, whatever Firestorm. Yeah, there's Firestorm. Deathstorm. Deathstorm, yeah. There's a bunch of other ones. There's an evil Doctor Fate. All kinds of stuff. So they that's come true. and attack and... uh John's like I can't fight all these guys, so he has a—he's getting his butt kicked by all of them. Meanwhile, somebody is talking to him through his ring, and you know, t- telling him how to fight everybody. And finally, he's like, "Who is this? Who's talking through my ring?" And uh, guess who? It's Owl Man, oh. of course. Oh, okay. So Owl Man shows up, and that's the end of issue number two. And then the, the mini backstory of issue number two is the story of the origin of Owl Man, of course. So, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It was all right. Um, the artwork wasn't bad. The story was okay. Um, overall, I give it a four.
0: Mm-hmm. So, there you go. When I found that it was a six-issue miniseries, I decided to just wait. I'm just going to get the trade. Mhm. I would say you could wait. Yeah. All
1: right. Who would like to go next?
2: I could go. Go ahead. Cause I don't have anything.
0: You don't got anything? What? Right. No. <laughs> I have three books today. What are you, me, Paul? And none of them are DC. <gasps> surprise. What? what? <laughs> yeah. Sit back, relax, and listen, <laughs> listen to a tale. Um, so the first one is called Proctor Valley Road. It's put out by Boom Studios. What was it, Proctor and Valley Road? Proctor Valley Road.
3: Hmm.
0: It's written by Grant Morrison and Alex Child. Ah. Illustrated by Naomi Franquiz, if I'm pronouncing that right. Hmm. Colored by Tamra Bonvillain and lettered by Jim Campbell. Hmm. And it kind of caught my eye at the store. I figured I'd pick it up. I just kind of went blind in it and read it. Uh, well, just, and just decided to try it. And um, I read it a couple of days ago and I enjoyed it a lot. And um, I happened to read it the same week that issue two was coming out. So I was able to read the second issue right away. Oh, cool. Um, I'm not going to talk, talk about the second issue tonight, but it's just as good. Mm. Um, I take that back. I haven't read it yet. Sorry. I can't tell you it's just as good. <laughs> I it. I thought I read it. <laughs> fake things so it is it opens with a with a, a desolate road Proctor Valley road uh, which is in uh, California no lights on it no nothing car flying on the road you see this weird shadowy beast on the side of the road looks like a bison could be a could be a something like that and it watches the car fly by and then the car just flips and explodes and then the guy the guy that was driving is thrown out of the vehicle and as he's pulling his crumpled body up off of the highway and you can still hear the, his radio faintly faintly playing even though it actually no, before his car explodes you can still hear his radio playing and uh, some large creature which draped in chains, chains appears in front of him and then, that, then we come from that scene and we meet the main characters, the main characters are these four girls um, they're all young adults, teenagers, uh, uh, probably from the ages of like maybe 13 to 18, maybe. Uh, there's a girl called August, a girl called Riley, a girl called Jenny, and a girl called Cora. And Cora's the youngest one out of all of them. And this takes place in the 70s, uh, in, in 1970, actually. And August and Riley are cousins, and uh, the first scene we see of them is they they're a hustle uh, on a gas station attendant. Um, so August is playing her guitar for the huh. guy, trying to convince him to give her stuff for, for music because it's fair exchange. And while she's doing that, her, uh, her cousin Riley's stealing sunglasses off the sunglasses rack mm-hmm. and then takes off. So basically they don't get caught, uh, but their parents find out and they get yelled at and, um, and they they they're, like I said they're cousins. So it's uh, two sisters uh, that are the, their parents are arguing about who's influencing who, and we find out that they're trying to raise enough money to go see Janis Joplin. Hmm. And so they're kind of putzing around town trying to figure out what's going on. You know, we meet the other characters. Um, Jenny is uh, a girl that that seems like she's going to be super smart. Uh, and Potentially, you know, wants to go off to college, but she doesn't want to deal with with uh, with anybody's bullshit. So she's. You know, this is just after the hippie movement and all that stuff, so it's still kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they decide they're going to try and turn Proctor Valley Road into a, a haunted attraction. Um, so they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring people out there. We'll tell them all these horror stories and all this stuff, and they'll pay us a couple bucks, and we'll get enough money to go see Janis Joplin. <laughs> and so they they go to a, they go to the state fair. They they grab some they grab some boys. They convince them to go out there with them. And the entire time, these boys are thinking, "We're just gonna make out." <laughs> <laughs> and, and the girls are like, "Oh no no, We're, give us give us five bucks, give us five bucks. <laughs> We're taking <laughs> you on this tour." When they get out there, they start telling their 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 ghost stories, and the guys are like, "All right, so this is this is really what you're doing? We gave you this money, we came out here, and you're just gonna tell us ghost stories?" So. They take off. I mean, they're literally in the middle of nowhere, but they're like, whatever. We're just gonna walk home. And the second they got out of sight of the lights of the van, uh, the kids, the, the girls that are at that are at the van still, their flashlight starts to go go out. And then, um, and then we cut to the boys who are outside of the lights of the van, and they're like, all right, we need to go take a leak. So one of them steps off and steps off the road in the darkness to go take a leak. And when his buddy goes to find them, he just finds. His lower half and his upper half is just gone, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then we catch glimpses of a couple like almost like werewolf type creatures. Um, so all the boys get horribly killed. Um, the girls at the van finally decide that the boys aren't coming back, um, and that's when the flashlight goes out, and then the car headlights go out, and they're in pitch black, and they just see word balloons, and they're like, uh, "What are we gonna do? Is the car gonna start?" And then and one of the other girls was like, well, I can't check to see if the car's going to start since you're holding my hand. And then one by one, all the girls are saying, uh, I'm not holding a hand. <laughs> and then finally, finally, there's a, there's a, there's a really, really weird word balloon. It's just like on squiggly lines. And in the middle of it, in, in very small letters, it says, I am. <laughs> and everyone's like, ah, <laughs> they jump in the van they take it off. And they go home. Um, They look at the back of the van and the back of the van van is covered in uh, bloody handprints all over the back of the van. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. They go to school the next day and they get called into the office uh, with the police officer, their parents, and um, the principal. And they're telling them they're in all kinds of trouble because the boys are gone. And they're like, well, we don't know what happened to them. And before they can say anything, they find out that the uh, the reason why everybody's looking for the, looking for these boys is because they've been drafted, and um, and they're they're being accused of draft dodging because like the, the the police are the police are telling the principal that they probably caught wind that they were going to be drafted that they just took off. Oh, so, huh. that's how issue one ends. I haven't read issue two yet, but um, it's really cool. I mean, I like the I like the setting for it. Um, Grant Morrison is fifty fifty. I can't, I can't say he's fifty fifty. He's a better writer than that. But lately, lately, either I, I feel like either I like his stuff or I don't. I hate his stuff. Right? Or the other. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah, like I've been reading Grant Morrison since he started writing, writing comics back in the old days. Um, I mean, I've been a fan All-Star of him Man since his Animal Man days. Yeah. So um, this is a really good book, and I'm going to keep reading it. So I don't yeah. really know where it's going, but I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, now, my grade for it, um, I'm going to give this easily a five. Oh, nice! Uh, I think the art, I think the art's really good. I think um, the the story's interesting. I like the setting. Like I said, uh, each of the characters has their own personality, uh, and they stand out from one each other from each other. So, um, hmm. it's really good. Cool. Nice. So, the next book I have is called Home, and it's put out by Image Comics. And I was really interested in this book when I first read about it. Uh, it's about a uh, um, Guatemalan immigrant uh, woman with her son that try and cross the border and they get stopped by the border patrol and her son has superpowers. Hmm. So it's dealing with it's dealing with immigration issues and it's got kind of superhero y stuff going on at the same time. So the Did you see say- two main characters are missing? Did you say who the creative team was? I skipped right over that. Uh, <laughs> the, writer is, the writer is the writer is Julia Aneta, which is A N T A. These are all going to be difficult names for me to read. Mm. The artist is Anna uh, Weizenek. The colorist is Brian Valencia, and the letter is Hassan Asume Ilahu Alanhu. So yeah. I apologize to the, creative, to, to the creative team for butchering their names. Hey, you can always come on and correct us. Yeah. Um, so, oh, right away. The art in this book is amazing. I mean, this is not, um, like wow. realistic art, but the style is, is, is great. And the coloring on this, I think really is on point. Hmm. Um, so it really kind of stuck out to me. So the main characters are Mercedes Gomez and Juan Gomez. Juan Gomez is a little boy. Um, and it starts out with – the very the very first few pages is um, the the text boxes, so there's no talking or anything like that. It's just watching them leave Guatemala City, get on a bus, camping in the woods, getting on a train with lots of other immigrants and just traveling to the United States border. And it says from the desk of the Attorney General of the United States, Today, as ordered by the president, we have officially put in place a zero-tolerance policy for illegal entries into our southwest border. Southwest border. And it goes on – basically telling the reader and word for word saying how you know immigrants are going to be handled and all this stuff. And, and you know, basically where before people could just come across and now they're going to be stopped and processed and all that stuff. So there are a few pages of that and, and they finally get to the border and the mother's talking to the son. And when they talk, their dialogue is all written in red text to separate it from – people that aren't speaking uh, Spanish. Oh, so, interesting! like Americans, Americans speak, you know, like in the old days where they used to put foreign languages in brackets, right? Right. Like a little asterisk, differentiating it with just different color text, which I think was really good. Yeah. I like that. So they arrive at, um, the international bridge in Mexico that goes across, across the border and they're like, Oh, we're finally here. We're finally home. You know, and the mom is trying to reassure her son that it's just going to be a matter of asking questions. um, you know, that not to worry because they have family that are in the United States already. Um, and that's what they're, you know, what she keeps saying. She's like, well, I have a sister in the United States. So I just got to tell them that they'll let us over and we'll start working. Um, the, her, her son, you know, is like, I'm hungry, but I want to save my food because we only have a little bit. And they go in when they get processed. The first thing is this big, big hulking, uh, you know, American guy. who's just he just yells names. <laughs> and, and they gave their names and then he's like where you come from and she doesn't know much English so she's just trying to say that she wants asylum and that it's not safe uh, so then finally the guy's like uh, you know what uh, Umberto, you need to translate this I'm going to go get a cup of coffee and he walks out so the translator's there and he's being a little bit humane to, to them is talking to them saying that you know he feels, feels for them as far as having to leave Guatemala And, uh, you you know, they'll they'll process them and they'll put them through. Um, So they take him into a, he goes like, just follow me into the next room. And the next room is a two-page spread, if you guys can see that. And it just says the icebox. And it's just this big cage. Oh, wow. Cage, big fenced in cage with all these people just lying on like yoga mats. Um, Like a a detention center. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so she's like, I don't understand. What is this? And he's like, oh, you just need to wait here until we process you. He gives her, he gives her a couple blankets. Um, the mother's trying to be positive. The son's like, it's really cold in here, and so she's like, well, I'll lay out this, will lay out this mat, and then I'll give you a blanket. And then one of the other immigrants in there just, you know, says, "Welcome to the icebox. box." And she's like, "Well, what do you mean? Why are you calling this the ice box?" And he's like, "Because they never heat this place up. It's freezing in here all the time." Oh wow. And so, and so the 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 mother's like, well we're not going to be in here very long because I have family in the United States and we're going to, we're going to be, you know, sent over there. And he's like, well, he goes, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you have a positive attitude. He goes, and maybe, maybe you'll be luckier because at least now they haven't taken your boy from you. And then she's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, uh, they separate the children from the parents. And he points over to a, to a woman that had just had her kids taken away from her like, like a, a couple of days before, or maybe a week. And he goes, they took her daughter two days ago and she hasn't eaten or slept since. And uh, so, so she's beginning to understand the kind of the kind of situation they're in, and then she's like, "Well, why are they doing this?" And the guy's like, "Because they had a president, they had a president change, and now they change the policy and all, all that stuff." So essentially, exactly what you expect to happen happens. They come and they take the kid away, and they send him off to an entirely entirely different detention center. Um, so the mom freaks out, breaks down, and that's when we start to see something's not quite right with the boy. Um, when he starts panicking, his hands start to glow a little bit, uh, but he's controlling it. Um, he gets put on a he gets put on a, on a bus taken to a different detention center and he's you know forcibly trying to stop his hands from going. As the story continues, she's trying to con- convince the, uh, the 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 translator that you know that she's gonna get work. She needs her boy back, and it's just page for page of just frustration as, as they're being treated terribly. Right. And um. Then the boy you know is, is given dinner like like um you know food. With all the other boys there in his in their building, which is uh, twenty miles away from where the mother's being kept, and he doesn't want to eat his apple, so he tries to smuggle back into his quarters. And all the other kids are like, you can't do that. You can't take food into the quarters. They're gonna. It's that's it, totally against the rules. You can't do that. And he's like, whatever. I'm gonna do it anyway. So he gets caught. They throw him in a solitary. Like it's so insane. They throw they toss the kid in solitary. And there's one guy. He goes in there and starts yelling at him and bullying him. And then he's about to hit him with a with a nightstick. And then the kid's hand's start glowing, and he just causes this huge explosion. And the explosion's big enough to knock out the guy and also knock down the wall to the outside. So the kid steps to the wall. He's glowing at this point. And another officer or another detention center person uh, sees the kid. The kid freaks out and runs. And it basically ends with that. But the guy can't keep up with the kid. The kid run. The kid's able to run way faster than he can. Huh. And, and then that's that. So um, I thought this was an interesting interesting take on a lot of the things mm. um there's an open letter in the back from the author talking about how he tried to make the the immigration process as it was being done at the time uh, as, as 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 true as as, as can be right. uh, as far as how a lot of people are experiencing mm. um but he, he also wanted it to be a superhero comic he's like so this isn't a this this issue is heavy he goes but the, the overall series isn't going to drag you down um <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, I feel like this is a really strong issue. And if it just turns into a superhero comic, I might not be as interested anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> who knows? Um, it's going to be dealing with a uh, Latin American uh, superpowered person and a child to begin with, against like maybe 10 or 12 at most. Hmm. So it's got a lot of potential, I think. Um, I like that a lot, too. I'm going to give that book a five as well. I kind of oh. want to give it a six. But um, I, I'm going to give it a five. I think that's a good, that's a strong, strong rating for issue one. Right. Cool. Sounds you guys pretty keep
2: good. Going. I'll be right back.
0: Okay. Then the last book that I have on my list is a book from Image Comics. You may have heard of them. Maybe. And it's called Radiant Black. Oh, I think I heard about this. Also, we, have a, we have a poster for it up the store. It's on issue three now. I've read issues one and two. Yeah. Um, Creative team is the writer is Kyle Higgins the artist is Marcelo Costa the letterer is Becca Carey and I thought that said Lord designer, it's logo <laughs> 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 logo designer is Rich Blue and that's basically it um, so I don't know who the colorist is, didn't mention the colorist let's see the, the logo designer could have done too, or maybe the artists worked on it themselves um, but it's a. Uh, I feel like this is a superhero comic in the vein of Invincible or um, uh, okay. or Spider Man or that kind of stuff. It's, it focuses on a guy named Nathan Burnett. Opening scene is is um his phone open on his uh, dashboard of his car, and we see his bank balance is his, his checking balance. He's got forty six dollars in his checking. And his credit card balance is negative $39,000. Wow. <laughs> so he's, he's having a conversation with the bank trying to get a loan and it's not going his way. The, the loan officer isn't being insulting. Uh, he's basically just telling them that they can't get him a loan. Um, and he's like, well, I'm a writer. And I have a book that's going to be published and, and I just need this loan to kind of just keep, you know, kind of get me on my, my way. And the guy keeps saying no. And, uh, you know, he tells him that basically, when if things if his credit gets better, then to call him back and we'll see what they can do. Right. And then so this connects to call, and then he just starts to have a, a breakdown. He starts crying in his car, and then this guy gets in and he realizes that he's driving Uber and that's and then he was having this call while he was waiting for his Uber people to get there. Um, so he pulls himself together and he drives off. Yeah. Um, then we cut to the title card, Radiant Black, which I think is a really nice logo. if You can see that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that I like neat, that. Neat little symbol in there, and so the, the next scene we have is uh he, hes moving back in with his folks. Um, his dad is like, "Well, you know, you know, you can hang out, you can stay here until you get back on your feet." And the mom, the mom's like, "Oh, you can stay here as long as you want." His childhood friend shows up, welcomes him back, and he's like, "Oh, once we move you in, I'm going to take you out." And he asks, he asks the parents if it's okay if he takes him out tonight, and then they're like, "Yeah, of course." Uh, so they go out. And they're kind of having a reunion. Um, his childhood friend is telling him that the town that he left years ago was actually much better and there's more job opportunities than there were before. Hmm. And, and he's like, well, I'm a writer. I don't want to just schlup a lot, sh- you know, schlup a lot and get just any old job and work on a book. And so his friend's like, I get it. Uh, this is what you want to do. Um, but finally, he breaks down and confides in his, in his friend that you know, how much debt he's in. Right. And, and everything else. And he's like, well, we can, we can work it out. And they just decide they could drunk that night so they just his buddy gets really drunk I don't know how drunk Kyle uh, Nathan is in this um, but they're walking home and they stop at the train tracks and they're just chatting and then they're like his drunk friend's like staring at something in the sky and he's like do you see that and his other his other friend the main character Nathan looks over and he's like yeah it looks like a some kind of weird miniature black hole just floating in the sky and they get close to it like like really close to it and they like, no matter what way you look at it, it looks the same. It's like like a weird kind of a – like a, just a stationary – like maybe the way they describe it, it sounds like it might, might not even be like a 3D thing. It might just be a flat thing that looks the same from every angle. Hey. So Nathan reaches out and touches it, and then the thing just like swirls around, his, swirls around his entire body and like disappears into his chest. And then he gets enveloped in energy, and then all of a sudden he's just – He's wearing his costume. All he says, "Boom!" He's wearing a superhero costume. Oh! He's like, "What? Interesting." The heck just happened to me. So they have the initial reaction of, "What is this? I'm wearing a helmet. I'm freaking out." And then he's like, "I'm freaking out so bad, I don't even know how to get this helmet off." Uh-huh. He's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up." And his friend's like, "Don't throw up! You're wearing a helmet." And he's like, "I'm gonna throw up," and then he throws up, and then <laughs> you find out that I don't know if this is a helmet or not because a hole opens in the helmet, and all his vomit comes out. Uh-huh. So he's not. Throwing In the guy's like his friends like how are you doing that without a mouth and he's like i don't know (laughs) so the police show up and his drunk friend is being a total ass to the police because they're just like you need to step away from the train tracks and he's just like you can't tell us what to do blah 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 blah. Uh, and they're they're like why is your friend dressed in cosplay and he's like you can't ask me why my friend's dressed in cosplay (laughs) and uh, Nathan is the character that got the superpowers is like hey can you relax can you just relax for a minute uh, the officers are just asking us to move and his drunk friend is just being you know a butthead and then there is a train coming there's a, literally a train coming before they even realize what's going on and um, Radiant Black just reacting he goes to push his friend off the track and what he ends up doing is he uses whatever energy he has to, to levitate the train out of the way Oh wow! And along with the cops and his friend, so the cops are like, "Oh, what the hell's going on?" He puts everybody down. Then he flies off, um, and they spend the rest of the issue just trying to figure out the powers and what's going on. He figures out how to get the helmet off, and he's like, "Well, as far as I know, I'm the only one like me." And then it cuts away, it cuts away to uh, another half of the city where we see a bank robbery going on. Oh. And there's another guy that looks just like him, but instead of black, he's red. Right. And he's walking away with two giant sacks full of cash. Yeah. Just happening the same night that he gets his powers. Um,
2: My kind of guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, issue issue two, we learn more a little bit about what his power set is. Uh, um, he goes and finds the guy in red because he, he hears about it, and he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna go talk to this guy." And the guy, the guy in red, and uh, ends up. Fighting him, and he's like, "Listen, I don't even want to fight you. I don't care if you robbed the bank. I just want to find out how you got your powers and all that stuff." And they get in a fight, and Radio Black ends up winning. Uh, he's actually a little bit stronger than the than the red one. And um, the police officers that that that, that were con- confronted them at the railroad track figured out who they were in two seconds. They go to the kid's house they're like, "Oh yeah, we know who you are." Oh no! <laughs> well, like this, this doesn't look a whole lot of detective work, you guys. You guys were just like, "I think your friend used your name." <laughs> 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 so the police are like listen we're not going to arrest you because he didn't do anything illegal but you obviously have superpowers so why don't you step up and like use them for something right so it feels like he's going to actually work with the cops but i don't really know how that's going to work out
1: oh interesting uh, that's actually and, yeah that's a good take
0: uh, and aside from um aside from the superhero part of it the the interaction he has and his civilian identity, with his with his parents, I think is really interesting because his dad's, his dad had like an issue too. He gets up in the morning. Actually, he doesn't even get up in the morning. He comes home because he had been out all night. And his dad's like, "Oh, you're out with you're out with your friend all night." He's like, well, "That's all right. You're an adult. You can do what you want. Just you know, respect me and your mother." And he makes him some cereal and he puts it out for him. And he's trying to convince him to get a job. And so, you know, it, it's that thing where he wants to be a writer. His dad's like, it doesn't matter if you want to be a writer. You need to make money. And you can write, but you need to make money. So it's like that parent, that parental thing. Right. I just thought it was written very well.
1: Nice. Sounds pretty good.
0: Uh, yeah. That book, I'm also going to – I'm not going to give that a five. Uh, as much as I did like Radiant Black, um, I don't feel it was quite as strong as the other two books. So I'm going to give it a four instead of a five. Oh, okay. But I'm, I, 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 I read it. I bought issue one and read it. I bought issue two and read it. And I bought issue three, which came out, if not this week, last week, and I haven't gotten to it yet. But so I'm going to read it at least until this first story arc is done. You kind of see where they're going to go with it. Nice. And those are my books.
1: All right. That's my hand. Okay, Paul, you're. T- oh, that's right. Yeah. Paul's oh, got nothing. You pulled a me this, m- this week, this month.
2: <laughs> I pulled a Derek. <laughs>
1: Isn't that funny? It seems like one of us, at least one of us, has to go bookless. <laughs> but that's okay, because that will do it for our main reviews for the month. So now it's time to delve into our off-the-shelf section. And uh, this month, it was my choice to choose the off-the-book selection, and I decided that since we're coming up on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, and this will probably release around, or even possibly on Star Wars Day, um, I... funny how that works. Yes, isn't it? I decided to do, to review uh, star wars vader dark visions which was a a really cool take on a on a, a darth vader book so here is the basic overall description uh the series is five issues in total and it says who is darth vader he has been many things a sith warrior a commander a destroyer Darth Vader is to many throughout the galactic empire, a symbol of fear and mysterious otherworldly power. But there are some who have seen the dark Lord in a different light. There are some corners of the galaxy so dark and desperate that even Vader can be a knight in shining armor. So, um, that's the basic overall view. So the, the series was written by Dennis, Hopeless Hallam, uh, with art by Paolo Villanelli in issue one, Brian Level in issue two, David Lopez and Javier Pina, Pina 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 in issue three, Stephen Mooney in issue four, and Geraldo Borges in issue five. So I'll basically give you a brief overview of each issue the first issue takes place on a far off planet and it is told from the viewpoint of a young lad on that planet. And the people on this planet were forced to live in tunnels because their world was invaded by a giant Kaiju like creature that they call a God. And, uh, the creature destroyed their world and, as I said, forced them to live in tunnels. But every so often, the creature sleeps. And when that happens, the people come out of the tunnels to bathe in the sunlight and gather food and anything else they might need. So this this story takes place during the uh, the hibernation period of the giant creature and the kid is telling the story of what happened to his planet, and then at the same time, there is a big battle going on above the skies, Uh, a battle between the rebels and the Imperials. During this battle, Darth Vader's TIE fighter is hit and crashes on the planet, and um, when Vader comes out of his crash tie fighter the first thing he does is seize the creature which he has landed on top of so he pulls out his lightsaber and stabs the creature right in the eye so at this point this kid sees darth vader as a knight who has come to rescue his planet from the giant creature what in fact all vader is really doing is trying to kill the creature and save himself
0: it is, the kid's narrating it this entire time like it's like it's a, like a thing. Yeah. Like a big thing.
1: Like it's a, it's a big epic battle of good and evil with Vader being the good guy, which I love. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there is a great battle between Vader and the creature. Uh, and Vader does eventually kill the creature. And uh, then he sees the kid and the kid's like, oh, thank you for killing the creature. And, uh, we find out. So Vader is staring at the creature, uh, at the kid. And then suddenly the empire comes down to take Vader, pick up Vader and his TIE fighter. And so v- basically Vader tells the kid, the force is with you today. Um, so basically the impression is that Vader was just going to kill the kid, but, uh, didn't bother because.
0: See, I didn't get that impression
1: for that particular
0: story. Oh really? Yeah. Like I, I, first of all, I thought I was going to hate this particular st- story. Like I didn't like the concept of the cover and all this stuff, and I was just like, "This is going to be terrible." And I liked it a lot. <laughs> and the entire time, the entire time I was reading it, I was thinking to myself: So, the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker is that he wanted there to be peace in the galaxy. He wanted there to be control in the galaxy. So essentially, he's saving this planet, even though they're tyrannically ruling everything. He, he's saving this planet. And he's saving these people. Right. So. I mean, he's killing the rebellion, which is what he's what he should be doing. So, granted, at this point in his in his transformation in the Vader, he is Sith and does some really terrible things. Right. But part of me was like, Anakin would have done. You know, if Anakin was there, he would have gone down there, beat up that creature, saved them. You know, and just taken off because that's what Anakin did. And and so for this, it was like I don't feel like he would have killed the kid.
1: See, I don't know because. My impression, because there was at one point where the kid comes out and he says, thanks. And, and Vader says, you should not thank me, child. And he's standing there with the lightsaber for, you know, a few uh, seconds. So I was hot, like, a hot second, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I was like, oh, is he going to kill the kid? And then he doesn't. And the, he says, the force is with you today. And then he just flies away.
0: Yeah, I can easily see that, too. I just I like that. Yeah, I, I guess, like that there's a lot of Anakin left.
1: Yeah. And and they kind of left it open enough where we could have both of our, you know, both takes on it. Maybe he was gonna kill the kid, maybe he wasn't gonna kill the kid, who knows? Right. But I like that. That was I like the way they handled that. Uh next up, issue number two was actually I like this one. It was a story of um a rebel spy being chased by the Empire. Uh by a couple of Star Destroyers and uh, the spy escapes and uh, so one one com- the commander of one of the Star Destroyers who has witnessed what Vader does to people who fail him uh, mm-hmm. he basically panics and he had <laughs> <laughs> a full on panic <laughs> attack <laughs> yes he, he had a full on panic attack so he's he decides to break away from the rest of the fleet and take his star destroyer to go after the spy who escaped has escaped, which leads him first of all into an asteroid field. Um And then <laughs> into a space slug. And there's a great shot of, of the star destroyer flying right into the mouth of the space slug. And then, <laughs> uh, chasing chasing the uh, spy all the way down to a planet. Uh, and all of this ends up destroying the Star Destroyer and basically killing everyone on it.
0: Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> mess.
1: It's a, it's a terrible mess.
0: It's, it is. And all because... So like this- the, 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 his, report, his report to the Emperor made, made, made it sound like they had, they had captured the spy, so when, yes. they, when they say he's going personally to pick the this- Spy up. That's when he panics.
1: Yes. Mm. It was, oh, I love it. I love this story. This one was great. And he just, the whole time, he's like, no, go, keep going, go get her, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, but we can't handle, we can't fly a star destroyer through an asteroid field. No, do it. We're just going to like go in a little <laughs> bit. No, go in further.
0: <laughs> it's such a crazy story. You know, the sad part is, is that. He survives the crash of the Star Destroyer. Like all his, he yes. loses all his people, he loses his crew. He <laughs> survives the crash. Vader finds him.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: There you go. And he kills Vader kills him anyway.
1: And the final well, is- the, the final image is just a shot of Vader, and you can see the guy panicking in, in Vader's eyes. And Vader just says, unacceptable.
0: <laughs> I really Failure enjoyed the art
1: unacceptable.
0: I really enjoyed the art in this particular issue. Yes yeah
1: it was really just the the different looks on the the, the commander's facial. face was were just amazing when he yeah. panicked, and the, <laughs> it was like a great he shot of him with, with looking all like crazed and 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 insane and uh, it was great stuff. Wow. And now we move on to issue number three, which was is told from the viewpoint of a nurse. Who works in the med bay? And uh, <laughs> the nurse works for a doctor who is a um, cybernetics expert. And so he works on Vader all the time. And even though the nurse has never actually talk to vader herself she has fallen in love with him and has fantasies of you know (laughs) like there's a little there's a page that's like right out of a fantasy um romance novel of her and vader together and and uh you find you find out that every time Vader comes to get worked on you know she ends up cap, you know finding little pieces left behind of Vader and she has a collection of parts from Darth Vader various pieces of <laughs> metal and a couple vials of blood and stuff some nuts and bolts some yes yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, some actual nuts and bolts and stuff and then at one point after one um what looks like a vicious battle. Vader comes to get worked on and he leaves behind his cape. And so she, she grabs his cape and she goes back to her room and she, she goes to her hidden collection of Vader memorabilia. (laughs) And uh, she gets ready to put it away when the doctor comes into her room and finds her with the cape and then finds the rest of the collection and freaks out on her he grabs a collection and he throws it away into the trash compactor and there's a There's a great scene of her searching through the trash compactor to find her stuff and then uh she, like,
2: stuck her face in the muckwa,
1: yeah, <laughs> she's lucky she didn't get eaten by a Dianaga no but then, then she has a little fantasy about her invader you know killing the doctor. Um, and then af- after going through the trash compactor, she kind of stumbles into uh, Vader's chambers, where Vader is in his little um, pod, his little pod thing, Yes, that we see in Empire Strikes Back, and she actually goes up and talks, tries to talk to Vader. And she sees him without his helmet on, and she she tries to tell him how beautiful he is without the helmet. And um I like they have they have an interesting like close-up on on Vader's well, I guess it would be Anakin at this point, on his eyes and stuff. And he doesn't even he doesn't look like angry or anything, um, which is interesting, but the but she's she's looking pretty crazy. And then uh all of a sudden,
2: Actually, yeah, it looked like he kind of had to look like, who the hell are you? And yeah, kind you of, yeah. <laughs> who the? You look great. I got a stalker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he takes care of that very quickly by sticking his lightsaber right through her gut. Which I was kind of interesting. I found it interesting
0: to see that he uses lightsaber instead of like force choking her or something. I actually thought he had force choked her, but then then they pan back and his lightsaber is going right through her.
1: Yeah. Um. And then after he kills her, he puts on his helmet and uh, he contacts the bridge and he says, "Come get this garbage out of my quarters." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I
0: had a low, love the art in this book. Um. the artist, uh, the artist did. I think he worked on um all new Wolverine at one point. He's done all this stuff. Oh Marvel yeah. Artists. Look.
1: Yes. Yes, I recognize the style. Yeah. Yeah. It was this was a really interesting story. I, lo- I love the way mm-hmm.
0: they did it. Here's another one where when I saw that when I kinda I knew the subject matter before I started reading it, and i like, this is gonna be terrible. But as it went <laughs> through, I was like, oh, it's such a good story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it really, yeah, it really <laughs> is. Uh then we wo- You hmm? made a mis you made a missed call on a book? What? <laughs> <laughs> no way, not the guru. Oh, never do that. <laughs>
1: Uh, then we get to itch, issue like- number four called Hotshot, where we meet a Hotshot pilot for the Rebel Alliance. Um, and we see him, you know, join the Alliance and try, you know, try to be the, the big Hotshot pilot. And, you know, he, he's got everything under control. He knows how to handle everything. And then in a battle, he gets, um, he gets his shot to take out Vader, Vader's in his Tie Fighter, and uh, he can't do it. He chickens
3: out. Yeah,
0: and just to just to just to set it up, like we have we have a um, a flashback to when he was a kid when he had a his, him and his dad were caught for for um, running guns, and his son, you know, he was hidden. they, they, they uh, right. the, the stormtroopers had his dad, and the kid had a shot to save his dad. Yep but he didn't do it so he kind of blamed himself for that and then when he became his hotshot pilot forced his way onto the mission basically everybody on the mission dies and this commanding officer sacrifices herself so he can get that shot in against Vader mm-hmm. he gets the shot and then he freaks out and runs he can't do it again yep and does he not just run he runs back to the, he runs back to rebel headquarters and they're like you're the only one who survived he's like yeah and they're like, Vader followed you. And Vader's like, <laughs> he's, like he's like, you fool. <laughs> good
2: news. You got another shot. <laughs> then they lit him up like a Christmas tree. Yep. Yeah.
0: So that, I mean, that was, these are like, these are like like almost like uh, those horror anthologies I used to read when I was a kid. It's like, yes, good kind of, yeah.
1: <laughs> Except they're all about Vader. Yeah. And so, the final issue, issue number five, titled You Can Run. There's a fifth issue? Yes, there was. Yeah. Which I know neither of you got to read. Paul, was there a fifth issue? Yeah, there was a fifth. It was oh, one through five. So, the, the fifth issue. I, I don't remember fifth. <laughs> the fifth. The fifth issue takes place on a, another planet where some rebel spies... Are trying to run away from Vader and the stormtroopers who are chasing them because they have some vital information. So they get away and they go to their favorite bar. And when they get there, of course, the bar, you know, the bartender's like, no weapons. You got to keep your weapons, check your weapons at the door. And the bartender basically. Um, through captions, we find out that the bartender—he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're a rebel or if you're an imperial. Doesn't care if you're a stormtrooper or a spy. He'll—he'll he'll serve anybody as long as you're paying.
2: He will in a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 spies ask the bartender to hide the information. It's in like a briefcase. So he goes to put it in the back room in his safe and as he's doing that Vader and the stormtroopers bust in and the guy at the door tries to tell Vader oh you you have to you can't have any weapons in here so you'll have to check you know your lightsaber and uh, basically Vader's answer is to kill him with the lightsaber <laughs>
0: you have to check your laser sword at the door
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so Vader hey. Vader and
2: then busts. Do bust- they also? Hmm? Do they do they also validate validate
1: uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so then, Vader busts into the back room where he sees the guy with the the briefcase of secret information, and the guy runs out the back door into the jungle, which Vader pursues him into the jungle, and. The guy's like, "This is a bad idea." I know because the jungle is dangerous, but I have no other choice. So he's running through the jungle when it gets he gets attacked by some plants.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he makes it so easy. <laughs> um, you hear that song, that CCR song, running through the jungle. Yeah. And then Va-
1: <laughs> Vader catches up with him, but luckily Vader gets attacked by some plants as well. So the guy breaks free and he runs into a little cabin um, where you also find out at the same time that the plant that attacked him has like a hallucin- hallucinogenic poison in it. So this whole time, he- afterwards, he's hallucinating. Um, he sees the cabin as Darth Vader's giant head He goes into the cabin And there's um, some animal heads On the wall, you know, some trophies And all of a sudden they come They come to life And uh, attack him, so he starts shooting At them, but he's hallucinating So he's shooting at nothing
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> And then uh, Vader busts into the cabin and finds him And there's this there's this great scene um, Where He shows his I'll show you this. He shows it shows Vader, and he's all like, "It looks like some kind of horrible demon," and he's just like, "Give it to me!" <laughs> 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 so, so, so he throws the 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 information data pad at Vader. Vader grabs it, and he looks at it, and he sees you know the secret information, and then Vader just turns around and leaves the guy there. <laughs> He didn't kill him? He didn't kill him. He left him there. All panicking and freaking out and and having a bad trip.
2: He's getting (laughs) stopped in his old age.
1: (laughs) I think he's just like, this guy's no big deal. I don't even care. Not even worth it. So he just turns around and leaves. So there you go. That is Vader Dark Visions. Um, And I like like this series because it's a Like you said, Dario, it's kind of like a, kind of like an anthology in a way. And it, it, it shows all these cool different, it shows Vader from other people's point of views. Right. And it's really interesting. And it was, it was what, it was really well done. I thought, because like you said, you kept thinking the stories were going to be stupid and they ended up being pretty good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I was, I, I was, I was very surprised with, uh, how much I enjoyed so many stories. Like I, I, I saw, it, I saw it when it was coming out, and literally I was just judging a book by <laughs> its cover. I'm like, uh, trying something different. I get it. I, I'm just gonna keep reading the main, the main Star Wars title, right, which is consistently good. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you picked this.
1: Yeah, I, I like.
0: Uh, I read it otherwise. That's
1: I picked it because it's 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 a different take on you know, a different look on on. On the Star Wars universe It's nice to see different points of view I like it I would recommend it I would too What do you think, Paul?
2: Uh, I uh the four issues that I read <laughs> I liked them all My favorite one was with, My favorite one was The one where uh, the guy had a full panic attack
1: Yeah, that one was really
2: good That was great I, um, I would recommend it If I had to give it a rating, I would give it a five.
0: I agree with that. I give it a five as well.
2: Um, what did you just notice a cobweb in your room? No, I'm. I I might go.
1: I might go as far as a six personally, but that's just you know that's me.
2: Yeah, it's not like you're biased or anything.
1: (laughs) Not at all.
2: (laughs) You can show you. You can show him your your Vader twenty, your Vader for President twenty twenty four T shirt now, <laughs> or my my two
1: foot tall Vader, my Vader bust. F- that's a phone. Um, I have a twelve inch Vader with uh, Anakin's
2: face. Or <laughs> don't, don't you still have? Don't you still have an original Darth Vader carrying case for your? Actually yes i do you yes
1: i do i even have a darth vader <laughs> easter bunny <laughs> that's funny <Nice. laughs> so yeah i might be a little biased but you know uh-huh. <laughs> i have a little
0: darth vader corner r2 here my case behind me i have a r2 and a vintage blaster and stuff but <laughs> but yeah my so, stuff is in here yet.
1: so uh what do we think uh well, I guess we already said we recommend it. So it's definitely yeah. worth taking off the shelf. Yeah. yeah. Recommend. Recommend. Boom. Recommend. All right. Give it a shot. Very cool. Very Spend 15 cool. bucks. Yeah. All right. So that's it for the off-the-shelf segment. Um, I guess just briefly we'll quickly talk about uh the two series that have recently ended. Uh first of all, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thoughts. I awesome.
2: loved
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really good. I was really happy with it. I love what they did it with did it.
2: Really, it did a really good job with John Walker. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, the image when he stood up after what, after what he did. with Yes. With the shield. Yes. Oh, so good. Um, and I loved,
1: I loved finally seeing Sam in the cap costume i I was surprised how accurate they did the the cap costume and the u s. agent costume. Yeah, they yeah. both looked really good yeah, they were yeah. right on. Yeah. Um, uh how do you guys feel about the Sharon Carter being the power broker? that doesn't bother me. She's either a power broker or she's a scroll.: <laughs> Yeah, that's true too. yeah. um it was I mean, it was a little predictable, but it was it worked overall.
0: The funny thing is, for me, it wasn't predictable. Um, my roommate pointed it out to me. He's like, "Oh, that's, he's not a broker." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> he's like, yeah, obvious. "Once again, okay, okay. the
1: the cosmic comic guru fails."
2: Well, um, you know, like in the, I like the um, the ending credits. Yes, where they had where they had like the missing poster, and they had a picture of Jack Kirby on it.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh I missed it. Yeah, was there was pretty cool. there, there was uh they had a few little Easter eggs in those. But credits. what the hell
2: was up with the monkey? what, was um, what? that was scene- seen supposed- wasn't he wasn't he wasn't that supposed to be like the um the hitman, like the monkey that was like a hitman.
1: Hit monkey <laughs> poss- that's that's what people are theorizing. Um that perhaps it ha- it's it's because it was seen, that symbol was seen in the Madripore scenes. Um, right. so, so people are like, oh, maybe that's Hitmonkey. Or to make it actually fit into the MCU and not be a monkey that's a Hitman.
2: <laughs> maybe it's like a, like a group of Hitmen. Like, like that, like the flag smashes.
1: Right. But it's the hit monkeys or or whatever.
2: But yeah, right. that's
1: that's the theory. But that hasn't actually been like officially said or anything. Right. So
2: no, I was just saying because I I would see it. I would see it in the credits. Yeah, I'm like what the right have to do with it?
1: Yeah. So that could have something to do with hit monkey in some way, <laughs> which I love. Mm. I love hit monkey. But you know, again, it's just you no. Know, that's just me. I thought.
0: Isn't Hit not- Monkey? Isn't Hit Monkey a Garth Ennis uh, owned thing? I don't no. know. I'm not sure. I feel, like, I feel like he's owned by Garth Ennis, and he's just published by Marvel when they when they want him to. Let's see. Maybe. Almost like
1: Superman.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hit Monkey is just like Superman. <laughs>
2: no, no. It, no, I know. I. Like, don't. I'm just. know kidding. how you read. Every time it was Superman in the book, he, they right. they gave credit to the family.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, he was created by Daniel Way. Oh, I'm Daniel Way. Yeah,
1: but yeah, um, yeah, I was very happy with the with the series overall. I loved what they did with it. I loved seeing Sam and, and Bucky together. They were always great together. Um, yeah, they mm-hmm. just they had like a perfect. I, a perfect, uh, they're like a perfect check. pairing.
2: I thought I thought they did a very good job with with Zemo.
0: Yes, oh, yeah. I
1: loved Great. Zemo. He was awesome. And I'm so
0: glad they didn't the thing kill I didn't him like off. About Zemo, the only thing I didn't like about Zemo, and I, I can't say I didn't like it, I just feel like it was just put in there just as fan service, because it didn't really make sense, is him putting on the mask. I love yeah. the mask. It's, right. cross- yeah. but it's just like, It's just like, oh yeah, by the way, just Ta-da. Here's the I'll mask. Yeah. Here's
2: I'm hoping that we that that might be that might be next season.
1: Maybe. I'm hoping that we get to see the Thunderbolts someday, like the the real Thunderbolts, yes. the original Thunderbolts. But yeah, me too. That
0: would be awesome. Me too, because I want to sell my book.
1: <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> Um of course, so after the series was finished, we got the announcement that there will be a captain America four, but of course it will be with Sam as captain america um- mm-hmm. so that would be pretty cool i think i don't i feel you know,
0: like not, I feel like they're not gonna do they're not gonna do another um like Steve TV Rogers. series yeah, another. Series with them and'll just they'll, they'll just jump to
1: yeah, probably um it does kind of leave Bucky out in the open though as what's gonna happen with him. That we'll have to wait and see, I
2: guess, but yeah. And maybe maybe they'll do something with like the Winter Soldier versus US agent. Ooh, that would be
1: cool. I'd be down for that. Uh the only one thing that's that I'm disappointed about is and of course I understand why, but the only thing I was disappointed about was we never got to see Bucky as Cap.
0: Right. As, as cool as that would be, they didn't want I don't think they wanted to pass around the shield that many times.
1: Right. Yeah. I uh, get that. I totally get it, but there was a little part of me that would love to have seen Bucky as Captain America. Because I love that I love that run when he was Captain America.
0: That was
2: great. Yeah. So but I'll cool. I should mm. I'm looking forward to uh Shang Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yes, yeah, that's gonna be great.
1: Oh, I can't wait for that. That trailer was awesome. I'm very excited about that. Um, and of course, it's gonna be a little while till we get the Loki series. That doesn't come out till like July or June. Oh, really? Yeah, was oh, this month? Yeah. Nope, it's not coming out until
2: it said July 3rd.
1: Yeah, July 13th,
2: isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that's disappointing, but. That looked like it might be interesting. Looking forward to that. All right. So there you have it. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Really, really good. If you haven't watched it yet, what are you doing? Go watch it. Especially now that it's all done. If you're waiting for it all to come out so you could binge it. Well, there you go. It's all out. Good. Yeah, uh, now's the time. Yes. Exactly. Speaking of things that have, that have finished. Uh, I know you don't care about it, Paul, but, Dario, did you watch? Did you finish
0: watching all of Invincible? Uh, I, I haven't watched the last episode yet. I'm waiting oh. to watch it when he gets home tomorrow night. I won't spoil it for you, but the last episode was amazing. I, I read the comic, so I know what's going on in the comic. Right? And I know. I know. I, I know pretty much how this ends. Yeah, the, I. I was a big fan of Have the you comic.
2: You've been saying that all night. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big fan
1: of the comic night. and. Uh, I was very satisfied with the series. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree. And I, it has been renewed for two more seasons. So that's good news. That's good. That's really good. It's really good news. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm very happy like with it.
0: I kind of I kind of figure they tighten up their storytelling actually. Yeah. A, as as a as a cartoon, like the way mm. they told it the comic was good. I enjoyed it at the time. But I think the way they're telling it again in an animated series is better.
1: Right. I agree. And um <clears throat> yeah, like I said, well, eh, I mean, I don't wanna I won't spoil anything, but they do wrap up the season pretty well. So Good the story arc of this of this season. And I cannot wait to see more. Oh so I saw I saw one person commented. It was like, oh, they should have done it as a live action. And I was like, no, it wouldn't have worked as a live action.
2: It'd be like watching a different version of the boys.
1: Yeah, kind of. And I don't think they could have went as far with it as they did with the animated series. They went all out with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the sheer cost of constant special effects like that oh, would yeah. probably be probably much. Mm-hmm. A bit much. Especially I- with the big fights. Yeah.
2: Um, it it's not super. It's not superhero related, but I always wanted. Some of us in the gaming community, be that, uh, night to read that Knights of the Dinner Table. Mm-hmm. I always thought that would be that would be like a good like half hour sitcom. But yeah, yeah probably animated. You know they tried to do that. Yeah, but do it. it as an, you know, as a cartoon, not live action,
0: right? Well, they did. They did an animated. They animated the, a couple of the strips years ago, um, but yeah, they did. They did that, and it didn't. For some reason, they didn't pursue it, and then they they did the the live action thing, and they got screwed on that. Like the yeah, they yeah. they got they got fleeced. Yeah, They
2: say we hunt them down
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and make them what make them walk a quarter mile on on
1: four-sided dice. Yikes. Yeah, forget about Legos. Try stepping on a four-sided die.
2: Yeesh. In the middle of the night. (laughs) All right. Um,
1: Well, I don't know what happened there, but I accidentally stopped recording before we said goodnight, but you didn't really miss anything um, except for my little joke about Nightwing joining the Bad Batch. And speaking of which, um, I also mentioned that this month we're since. To celebrate May the 4th, a, the New England Society of Geeks podcast will be doing a bunch of Star Wars-related episodes, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we have another edition of the Falcon's Lounge coming up, uh, and we will I will have the return of the Star Wars chronological rewatch experiment. I know it's been a while for that, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, that will be all from us. At the Monthly Comics Cast. So good night, everybody. To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's N E S O G pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. At NESOG Podcast. That's N E S O G Podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at NESOG Pod. That's N E S O G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, We would appreciate it if you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night.